You're listening to The Cleveland Browniacs, a show where two moderately intelligent guys attempt to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. All right, welcome back to the Cleveland Browniacs. I know we're getting off a little bit later than we normally do in the week. Scheduling conflicts, I apologize. Uh, hey, Elliot, uh, big win there in in Indianapolis. But before we go there, let's start with the big news out of Cleveland. What you got? Well, there's a new minority owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, just as the Haslam's became minority owners of the Milwaukee Bucks, which I think is their golden parachute in case things don't work out for them in football in Cleveland. Miles um, Garrett decided he would do the same thing, and he became a minority owner in the Cleveland Cavaliers. He believes in Cleveland. That is so awesome. Man, I really just i am jazzed about that. Miles Garrett believes in Cleveland. I love Miles Garrett. I've always loved him. I, I don't. I don't believe any of the criticism that that ever comes up about Miles Garrett. Uh, he believes in this town, and he believes in our basketball team. I I just have absolutely uh, everything is positive about this. There is there are no negatives. It's just absolutely wonderful for us. It's a, as a Cleveland sports fan, I think it's the greatest thing that could ever possibly happen to our town. Well, I, I, I concur that uh, Miles Garrett buying into the Cleveland Cavaliers is a good idea. He's also a part of that has become the the one of the, you know, ambassadors, basketball ambassadors for the Cavs. So we're going to see him around Cleveland a lot, not necessarily now, but in the future as he, you know, basically he's out there promoting, pimping, do whatever he's got to do to make sure that his investment works out for him. So Browns fans should get used to Miles Garrett being around because it's going to be around. There's also instead of now for him to stay with the Browns for the rest of his career. So I think this is a very, very good moment uh, for Cleveland fans, Cleveland sports fans in general. Yeah, I I just, I love Miles Garrett. I think he's the, the MVP of the franchise for sure. Uh, you know, not just this year, but I mean, uh, Ever since he was drafted, um, he and Nick Chubb really are the franchise. And uh, it's just really a wonderful thing for the city. And uh, I couldn't be more thrilled as a Cleveland sports fan to see uh, Miles Garrett cross over. I'm, I'm just hoping that he doesn't uh, force his way onto the team and become a power forward. He's, he's going to pull one of those Michael Jordan moves where, like, you own the, the Charlotte Hornets and then, like, I think it's the Hornets he partially owns. And then, like, you come out of retirement because, you know, the team isn't playing the way you want them to, so you become a player and owner and all that stuff. You know, let's let's just enjoy Miles Garrett being a brand ambassador. Yeah, I don't know if I would want to play against Miles Garrett. Can you imagine? What if he really did become a player and uh, your job is to guard against Miles Garrett and he wants to score a basket really bad? I think, man, he would run you over so bad. Oh my gosh! Uh, I think um, it's. I think it's. I'll, I'll tell you a little personal story. My my daughter used to play football, and um, she played football up through her freshman year of high school, and she also played basketball. And so, but her first real foray into sports was football, and she was a very 
physical football player at you know at fourth grade fifth grade sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade she was very physical you know she was she would go out and she'd hit and she'd this and well she translated that skill into basketball i mean there are kids that would like be crying busted lips you know all this stuff she would get like foul she'd just tackle people i mean they really had to do a job to get my daughter to like not touch people on the basketball court, not get physical. So <clears throat> I don't know. Miles Garrett going. Where out did there, she he, get he that get from, physical. Joel? I don't know. I don't know. She 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 just she's like Lyle Alzado. Left you know? guard. I'm I'm in it for the violence. Yeah. <laughs> I I heard Lyle Alzado say that, and I thought that's perfect. That's my motto from now on. I'm in it for the violence. Yeah. Well. Okay. But I don't know. You just don't want Miles Garrett to go out there thinking he can play basketball and like, you know, he he's gonna have a rude awakening between the physicality of football and the physicality of basketball. I mean, I'm not saying that basketball is not a physical sport, but it's different than what football is. It is now, man. So, <laughs> he's on the court. It is. Yeah. So congratulations to Miles Garrett. I mean, I, I on my <clears throat> while we're on Miles Garrett, I I kind of gave him the moniker of the Water Boy, um, even though. TJ Watts trying to get that with his idiotic hot dog commercials. But, you know, <clears throat> him jumping over that, the two players, like a guard and a tackle, and I watched this a bunch of times, didn't touch him, blocked the field goal. I mean, if you've watched the movie The Waterboy, there's an actual scene where he attempts to jump over a player and block a field goal, except in the movie, he steps on a player, then jumps high enough to block the field goal and run it for a touchdown. Which means even the people who made the movie thought that this was so ridiculous that it would never happen in real life that they have to give him somebody to stand on to make it like jump off of to even make it somewhat believable. And then in real life, like like Chuck Palahniuk's book, um, Stranger Than Fiction, in real life, Miles Garrett is stranger than fiction because in real true to God, true to God life, he jumps over people. <clears throat> then jumps in the air and blocks a field goal. It, it's incredible, just incredible. If, so yeah, if you're we're, if you're stranger than the water boy, that's pretty strange. <clears throat> I think if you're more that, of a freak athlete than the water boy. You got something going on. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And then and then I have you know people on Twitter always wanting to name the Browns defense. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. What do we call the Browns defense? So I've decided the Browns defense is going to be called the Mud Dogs. <laughs> All right. All right. They're the that mud dogs cool. from the water boy. Okay. I like it. Mud dogs. Mud, mud dogs. dogs. See, then you can dress up. You can have the little hat with the two beers in it. You know, you can do all kinds of stuff. It'd be all kinds of fun. We I should like embrace it. this as Clevelanders. Just embrace Miles Garrett as the freak of nature. He's the water boy and embrace the mud dog defense. And you could just create a whole culture around the situation. Violent mud dogs. Yeah. Well, so dog. speaking speaking of Miles Garrett here, uh, what was your thought on the Colts game? Just so our our faithful oh, yeah, listeners. you know, um, yeah, we have a little problem here. You know, uh, last week we gave ourselves all sorts of pats on the back for totally, uh, totally predicting everything right against San Francisco. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't <laughs> quite get the defensive struggle against the Colts that we promised everybody, Joel. So, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, we didn't quite get it right, folks. Uh, well, we I, will, I will, 
We did get a Browns victory, and we'll take it. But my gosh, that was really crazy. And though actually, you know, it was filled with some incredible defensive plays, like Miles Garrett, you know, jumping over the world in order to block a field goal. Miles Garrett strip sacking the quarterback, and then we also saw uh, Zadarius Smith doing the same thing. He got jealous and said, "I'm going to do that too, Miles. Look, I can do this too." And they did that. He did that in order to end the game. So there were some spectacular defensive plays. Uh, and then also uh, the Colts made a lot of uh, spectacular defensive plays. There were some errors made on the offensive side by the Browns. So it wasn't pretty, um, but we did see some spectacular plays. Now, what we were not expecting really uh, was for the Colts to move the ball against the Browns. And, you know, we did say – uh, you know, that that the Colts were capable, that they had talent uh, on the on offense and that they were able to move the ball. And they, that turned out to be much more true than we thought. Um, yeah. So I, I want to jump in here, Elliot, real quick. I yeah. went back. So I was at the game and I got to witness the state flower of Indiana, a.k.a. the orange barrel on the way to indianapolis i don't know if you've been to indiana much elliot but like yeah there are orange barrels everywhere in indiana the construction barrels with the little lights Mm -hmm. on them they're everywhere so they're like the state flower as far as i'm concerned having you know been in that area the northern part in particular for a while um go irish but i digress Went to the game. So after the after the game, I decided, okay, I'm going to watch the game to find out what actually happened because in the moment, you're very emotional and you're not very rational in the situation. So I went and watched the game. Two things really stood out to me. I think after that San Francisco win, they were set up for a letdown. You know, they probably maybe got a little full of themselves like we did. Hey, we picked this up. And they made a few mistakes. But the two things that really stood out to me on the defense was, one, there was confusion on coverages. And we mm. haven't seen that all year. We haven't seen them bust plays. You know, we're, we were used to this with Joe Woods, but we are not used to this with the Browns' defense. And two, there was a lot of over-aggression at the line of scrimmage in terms of the run game. And when you got Jonathan Taylor and uh, this other guy, Moss, who I got to give credit to, he's got some good vision. But that What they were doing was they were coming up to the hole and, like, pausing waiting for the Browns defender to make, to commit, then they were sidestepping them and going. Okay. So it wasn't that the Browns weren't in position. It's that they came in out of control. They came in diving, came in jumping, came in, um, you know, just again, just out of control, not under control. So I think those are two things the Browns can clean up pretty easy. You know, when you see your key, you go to your spot, you come in under control and make a tackle. That'll help with the run game. The secondary needs to double down on their coverages and communicate a little bit better, and that'll bu- that'll end some of those busted coverages. Other than that, they just need to tackle, which mm-hmm. is another physical thing. Yeah, that, we saw missed tackles that we mm-hmm. didn't see before. Yeah, um, so I think this was letdown game for the defense after that big win in, over San Francisco. So I think that I also, was part of it. I also wanted to cite uh, Gardner Minshew, who I thought was an upgrade over Anthony Richardson. I think Absolutely. Gardner Minshew has just been shafted for no reason. I think because he's sort of a, uh, how shall I say, a unorthodox personality, perhaps. 
and the NFL doesn't like personalities like that at quarterback, but the guy can play football. He really can. And uh, he's a really good quarterback, and I wish the Browns had picked him up. Well, I think oh. with Garner, <clears throat> oh, come on. I think with Garner Minshew, his limitation is his arm strength, which is the same as what we're dealing with right now with another quarterback. You know, oh. I think he makes good decisions. He's been in that system, and I, he just – you have to – for Garner Minshew, Minshew, you have to have an open wide receiver. He's not going to be the one to throw this ball into coverage. If he mm-hmm. throws it into coverage, it's not going to end well for him. So his limitation is there has to be like a wide open guy. Okay, but fortunately the Browns have a franchise quarterback and we don't have those limitations, right? Well, again, I was at this game and I watched Deshaun Watson throw a couple passes and I mentioned on what the elf was that, that that ball was slow. It was slow. I think no, I no, mentioned. No, 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 no. We're talking top five franchise quarterback. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, you're, you're not. <clears throat> hold on, not getting it. Come on, it, get with the program. This is look. I went to the Tennessee game up in Cleveland, and I went to this Indianapolis game in Indianapolis. Mm. Okay, that is a different Deshaun Watson in Indianapolis than it was in Cleveland versus Tennessee. The ball didn't have the zip. <clears throat> the accuracy wasn't there. The throws that he could made are getting intercepted, mm. and he's throwing this ball downfield. Mm. The ball is slow. It doesn't have the arm strength on it. I, I kind of likened it to the ball was up in the air, ordered Uber Eats, got it delivered, ate the food, and then finally went to get away and intercepted. Mm. I mean, it was in the air that long. And, you, you know, you can't play like that. You can't, you can't survive if you're a quarterback that only throws the short pass because you can't throw the deep pass. So... I think it's injury. I think it's legitimately an injury situation. Yeah, and I, I think he is injured. I think it was pretty obvious. Uh, everybody in football can see that except for Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski. I wrote that uh, in my article in Fans First Sports this week. That Go check I that out, everybody. Um, well, athletes are the last people to trust on an injury. They're going to tell you, oh, I can play. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I can play. And then when you're in a situation where that's the franchise quarterback, you want to believe that they can go out there and play. And oh, I, want to ruin the, I want to ruin the quarterback, just like, you know, Baker Mayfield. They let him play with a, you know, torn rotator cuff in the left shoulder. Oh, well, we've got a body brace for him. He'll be fine. Um, didn't we do this two years ago where we had a quarterback that was horribly injured and oh, we look, said, look, oh, look. we're going to let him play. Go out there and play, man. Look, and you know, Deshaun Brown, Watson, look, look. we've only got, you know, $216 million left on his contract. It's not a problem. Let him go out and play injured. We can afford it. I'm not sure why when it comes to Deshaun Watson, everything becomes down to his contract. We don't talk about because this because it's two hundred sixteen million dollars. We don't talk about this. We don't talk about this with Denzel Ward. We don't talk about this with anybody. It's an investment that you cannot afford to screw up, Joel. You cannot. You cannot. You know, people waste the money. Make these investments and screw up all the time. Look at the Giants. No, Look no, at no, the no, Cardinals. no, 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 no. You're wrong. You cannot afford to injure this guy and waste it. You, okay, you, no, no, I agree with recover. that. I agree with that. But that comes you down. Cannot, you that cannot can, mangle his shoulder. You can't afford to do that. Cannot, I agree with that. I agree cannot with that. do that. I think it comes down to a dynamic that's going on within the Browns that goes on with it. every single team. Oh, yeah, we've already changed topics. Let me change my thing. It goes on with every single team. 
which is the player wants to play, the coach wants to win because, my God, if the team loses, the coach gets fired, and the general manager wants to think long-term. So the player and the coach are thinking short-term, and the general managers and the front office are thinking long-term. And that's the dynamic playing right now. The, the, no, the I, I think I think, think long term he does. I, I think he does. No. I think I think that's a long term bill. It's a long term no. No. no, no, I I tell you what, I think they want to get him healthy, get him out on the field healthy, play with PJ Walker if you have to. I have no idea why people are calling for Jacoby Brissett. We can get into that later, but <clears throat> oh, that's a stupid idea. I, that I, is I've gone off stupid. on this. Get on to what the elf was that. You can hear me go off on that idea. You got to get Deshaun Watson healthy. He's not healthy. He's not playing like himself, and you can't rush him. You've got two NFC West games back-to-back. Sit him for both of them. Let's get him healthy and, like, move forward. Anyway, we got to go on our break, Elliot. So let's go on our break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk more about Watson and company, all right? All right. All right, hang on, everybody. All right, we're back. And as promised, we're going to continue on this Deshaun Watson and company. So, Ellie, you got anything else you want to say on Deshaun Watson? Uh, well, yeah, they finally decided that they're going to have uh, PJ start the game. That What a stroke of brilliance that is. I mean, I, like you, I could see that in five passes uh, from Watson on Sunday that he cannot throw. And it was uh, a very poor decision to allow him to go out there. I don't know why Kevin can't see that. Um, if every fan in America could see that, uh, he needs to sit at least this game, probably the next three games, and uh, we just have to tough it out. Um, mm-hmm. with PJ is an okay quarterback. I've always liked him. Um, I'm not sure that the Browns really made the right decision um, by giving up on uh on um, dorian why did we give up on him after one game against a very very good defensive team in baltimore uh, dorian thompson robinson i think if the if the browns made the right decision on him coming out of uh summer camp then uh, maybe he should be playing i yeah i don't know what the deal is i know he's a rookie i, I know coaches are afraid to play rookies because they mm-hmm. they want to win and PJ Walker has led this team to two victories, despite you know whatever That's people true. may think of PJ Walker, he has led this, and including a three-minute drive at the end of <clears throat> the game last week in Indianapolis to win the game. <clears throat> so he has experience; he can play. He he makes some interesting decisions, but I think there needs to be he needs to be established as the starter early in the week, which the Browns did. He needs to get all the reps through the week and be in the game plan and mm-hmm. prepared to go last week. He didn't get all the reps. He didn't get, you know, wasn't part of the integral part of the game plan. And it showed in the game. He just needs to be mm-hmm. prepped as the starter moving forward. Now, Dorian Thompson Robinson, I don't know. He's a rookie. He looked really, really bad, made really bad decisions. But again, you're right. It's against the Ravens and they still have a good defense. No matter how much I hate them, they still have a good defense and you know the Steelers defense, the Ravens defense, they're they're oddball defenses. They do weird things on tendency, and they're good. They're good defenses. So 
if you don't think he can hack it against those teams long term, uh, you're gonna have to go with PJ Walker, particularly if you have a defense that's Super Bowl ready, despite its mm-hmm. down week. Yeah, I think I think at this point there's no question that that PJ has to be the guy because you've you've gone that way. But I just really question the whole process of uh, why you were so sure that uh, DTR was the guy, and then after one game you changed your mind. I think that that shows um, a, a lack of uh, confidence in your judgment, your own judgment. Um, but okay, you made that decision, and there's no turning back from it at this point. But it, it doesn't speak well to the. Um, uh, you know, it, it may have just been a, a situation of what they were in. Like, may they may have expected Watson to go that week. Who was that against? That was against the. I don't remember. It's against somebody, and they expected him to go, and he couldn't go. And then you don't have, if I remember correctly, PJ Walker was not active for that game. And so you had Dorian Thompson Robinson. And even if you didn't, if Dorian Thompson Robinson got the second team reps, PJ Walker's not ready. Your most ready quarterback is Dorian yeah, Thompson yeah. Robinson. Well, that's right. D- d- um, PJ hadn't been with the team that long. Mm-hmm. And so uh, DTR got to start against Baltimore. He was the only real option Yep. Uh, at that point. And then after that, they said, well, we decided, you know, we don't really like DTR. Although, you know, I think that all everything that we saw in the summer was positive. It was positive enough that they decided that they didn't um, actually need to have Joshua Dobbs be the, the backup. They thought that uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was actually better and not as a long term project quarterback, but he was going to be right now the backup quarterback. And then they changed their mind after one game. Uh, so either they really, really, really liked what they saw from PJ or somehow they they made a very careful decision and then abruptly changed their minds after one game. Um, oh. It doesn't speak well to the, the brain trust making a decision at quarterback. Yeah, see, I don't share that opinion, but that's okay. Let, let's go into the running back room. This is where you could probably get me a little worked oh, up. Oh, boy. Yeah, this, this is where you that. get me worked up. Because as of right now, and maybe Elliot, you've seen a little bit more in the news than I have, but as of right now, you're talking about um, Kareem Hunt injured, correct? You have well, no, Jerome Ford. Is Kareem injured? He was dealing with some kind of leg injury during the game. Yeah, he was a little bit banged up, but he played. Um, Now Ford is out. You're dealing with Ford being out. So now what you're dealing with is Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong. So I'm concerned if the Browns go into Seattle and you're talking about a running game that's going to be mainly Kareem Hunt, if he, one, can stand up to the pounding. Because if he is injured already, what's it going to take for him to make that whole game? And two, you're talking about Pierre Strong, who, by the way, looks really good as a running back. And mm-hmm. I would I would make him number two over Jerome Ford simply because Pierre Strong can read a hole, hit the hole, and gain yards. As for Jerome Ford, it's like it's like Trent Richardson level blindness back there. Like my God, like he got a touchdown on that one play, but the player two before he could have got a touchdown off the blocking. He just missed the hole. So I'm not a big fan of Jerome Ford in terms of just uh, his vision, which is probably mm-hmm. why he didn't start at Alabama, which is probably why he was in Cincinnati. 
So maybe he needs to get like glasses or like some kind of vision test or sit down with him and film and say, this is a hole. This is how you run through it. I, I mean, I've, I've literally, I have literally Elliot been at practices when I was a player where the offensive line would run blocking schemes while the running backs stood back there and watched to say, Hey, this is where the hole is. Like, is that what you got to do with Jerome Ford here? I don't know, but he, we won't see him. We're going to see a lot of Pierre strong. We're going to see some cream hunt. I'm concerned about the running game. Plus if you're putting PJ Walker back there and you're, then you're asking him to throw, which I'm not sure that's how you win a football game. I'm concerned about this game. Let's just put it that way. You know, what's really crazy is that they signed a guy uh, with uh, pro experience, a fellow named Dion Jackson. They signed him uh, for Sunday's game. And okay, then they, so they, did him. they went the wrong way. They subtracted a running back uh, while they're having problems with Ford being injured. Uh, they subtracted a guy. Now, they also, by the way, they signed a guy that I kind of liked to the practice squad, uh, Nate McCrary. He was an early casualty in the summer, Um, but he was a guy that uh, had a good summer with uh, Baltimore a couple years ago, and I'm not sure exactly what he did this summer other than he got cut by the Browns early, and I'm not sure why that was uh, that decision was made. So that that's happened this week. Well, I've been neglecting the news. Yes, okay. and so he's back on the practice squad, not uh, at this point on the game day roster. Yeah, but he can be elevated game day. Yeah, but I'm <clears throat> I'm not sure what's going on with Nate McCreary. Uh, is he a big bruiser type? Well, I, he was. I thought pretty good at uh, short yardage. He was good at yeah, hitting that's the what goal. I'm thinking. Right, very so good at accelerating, and I th- I thought that he was a threat. Uh, well, I feel like the Browns' running game with Hunt and Strong. What you're missing there is a guy who can just run the ball up the middle and get two yards, no matter what, because you don't want PJ Walker doing one of those idiotic tush push things. So, because mm-hmm. you don't, you can't afford to get him hurt. So you need a big bruiser that's just going to run up the middle and get two yards. That's who I thought Nate McCrary was going to be, and I wrote a little article about that uh, early in, the, you know, like July or something, saying that, hey, you know, he might really be able to do this, and uh, he he was kind of, you know, his, like, 10-yard dash time was really good at the, at the combine, and so I thought, this guy might actually be able to do that for the Browns, be the short yardage guy, uh, take Hunt's place as the short yardage back, because mm-hmm. at that time, Hunt was not Brown's roster. So I kind of liked him. uh, And I thought that the Browns needed to have a short yardage back. You know, you have, you had at that time, Nick Chubb and then Ford as his backup, but you also like to have a change of pace guy. You also like to have a short yardage back. And I thought, well, Nate McCrary might be that short yardage back. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they bring him up because I think if they went with a, a short yardage bruiser kind of guy to, to block and to get one or two yards if necessary, that would complement strong and hunt enough that you could make this a viable running game. Is it going to be a tremendous running game? Probably not, but at least no. a viable, at least a viable running game that could be supplemented with play action passes, which would might be the best thing for PJ Walker anyway. 
So they should probably just go back to the uh, wide zone offense for this game <laughs> and just leave yeah. the uh, leave leave the, uh, the the shotgun single back sets be for a little bit. Elliot, I'm going to share this uh, this PowerPoint here for those of you at home. You're not going to be able to, are listening. You're not going to be able to see the PowerPoint, but we're going to preview the Seahawks offense and defense against the Browns and give our thoughts. And Elliot, we're kind of up against it, so we gotta we gotta go quick here. Yeah. Okay. All well, right. on the screen now is we have the Browns offense and the Seahawks defense. Oh yeah, that looks gruesome to me. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Devon Witherspoon, who's rated as like one of the very top cornerbacks already. He's a true shutdown cornerback, and he can go one-on-one against Amari Cooper. And that's not so good for the Browns. I think that they'll be able to play man coverage. They'll be able to send extra pass rushers. And that's not good for the Browns who need to find additional wide receivers or tight ends for that matter. And they're trying to start a running game, and they really don't know who they're going to use in those roles. I think it's going to be a, a tough sledding for the Browns on offense. Yeah, so you you got Amari Cooper there in green, which means he's good. You got Devon Witherspoon in blue. Is the green better than the blue or the blue better than the green? Blue is better than green. Okay, so Devon Witherspoon there. I mean, the Browns struggled to get Amari Cooper involved in Indianapolis, and I put that on P.J. Walker because – he threw him the ball a couple times, but he, he's not real accurate in terms of some of this stuff, in terms of, like, longer passes or timing mm-hmm. routes. I mean, it's just he hasn't played enough with the team to get better at that, which is why you need him practicing early in the week with the team to get used to some of this. There you go. So, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know if uh, the, the Amari Cooper situation with the Browns, I don't think there's a situation, but, like, not getting him the ball – I think that's going to be a combination of Devin Witherspoon and PJ Walker just not being a good thrower. I mean, if he was mm-hmm. that good, he'd be starting somewhere. Let's just be honest. You know, the fact that you can pick him up off the waiver wire just tells you that, you know, he's he's somebody that teams can pass on, cut, pick up later. He's your waiver wire guy in your fantasy league. You know, he's out there. I, I just I just don't have a lot of faith in PJ Walker, so you're just gonna have to run the football. Now, the one thing that makes me look pretty good is that like this Darrell Taylor defensive end is in the red, Draymond Jones is in the yellow. Might want to stay away from Boye Mafe on the on the defensive line. I think the Browns can get a running game going. Jed Wills is gonna have to show up. Uh Dewan Jones, who's still a rookie, I'm gonna forgive that yellow. I mean, he's still gonna have to to show up as well. It may just be time to lean on the offensive line and hope that they can come through. Yeah, well, yeah, we pretty much have to. Um, I, I'm going to say the same thing as we said last week, and we were really wrong last week, but I do believe that it will be a defensive struggle. We're not going to score a lot of points, but uh, with the kind of defense that the Browns still have, we believe, going – you know, getting one or two first downs and then punting is not a bad sequence. It's very survivable. Uh, mm-hmm. Just move the ball a little bit and eventually try to kick a field goal. That's not a bad play. That's not a bad yeah, strategy. Keep playing trestle ball. Yeah, trestle ball, uh, positional uh, yep. field position, football. Uh, it's good enough to win. And then that's what you want right now. 
You just and that's what you want. Period. I mean, it's not the the long term viable strategy. Trestle ball isn't. You know, the long term viable strategy is throwing the ball all over the yard. But since we can't do that, we got to play trestle ball. Let's switch on to the defense here. This is where I like our chances. I mean, mm-hmm. I think our defensive line is much better than their offensive line. I don't think Geno Smith is anywhere near green, even though you've got him at green. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Gino. Gino's okay. He's he's been a uh, better than average quarterback for two years. It, Gino's problem is that he was not able to lead the New York Jets to the playoffs, and the media has never forgiven him for that. Um, it could be that the New York Jets had other problems besides quarterback. <laughs> Come on, it just could be. It just could be. But yeah, Gino gets the ball to his receivers. He's he's okay. He's a, yeah. He's I'm, I'm after watching just briefly watching the game again. I'm going to tell you right now. I am not impressed with Greg Newsom. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure <clears throat> the coaching staff is impressed with Greg Newsom either. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that rolls through. Uh, I think Denzel Ward is when he cares. He's a much better than a yellow. Um, but that up the middle, if you see that, I know you guys can't see this on the on the radio, but <clears throat> Miles Garrett's in blues, Darius Smith's in blue, Shelby Harris, Dalvin Tomlinson's in green, JOK, Anthony Walker in green, Dan Grant Delpit and Juan Thornhill are in green. So basically, straight up the middle is all really good players. Then when you get to the outside, things get a little little shaky. You know, Emerson's in a light green, Newsom's yellow, Ward's yellow. Um you know, I think there was some communication breakdowns last week in Indianapolis, which accounts for some of this. But as long as the guys up front can go against that yellow and orange D offensive line I'm looking at there of the uh, Seahawks, they don't have to be perfect on the back end, and they can reap the benefits of a pass rush. Yeah, the, that's true. The Seahawks are pretty healthy. Uh, they do have a backup right tackle, Stone Forsyth. Uh, there is no DK Metcalf. There's a guy, Jake Bobo, at wide receiver who's actually doing a pretty good job. Um, so I, I've colored him uh, dark green, in fact. Um, so they're they're a pretty strong team. And that but, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm glad we're getting him early in the season. Yeah, he has not performed really well so far as a rookie, but we think, man, that guy was really good at Ohio State. But also... I want to point out that he was a massive uh, mismatch in college, but you know your slot receiver is uh, not really. You don't devote a lot of resources in college to the slot receiver, but in the pros, everybody is good, mm-hmm. and so Jackson Smith and Jigba is encountering defenders that he never saw in college, and so he's making an adjustment. So it's, it's, it's not it's the total mismatch that it was in college. It's kind of like saying he's a rookie and he's got to figure out how to play in the NFL. Yeah, he's, he's playing with, with the big boys now. Yeah, which is why um, I'm happy we're getting them early because yeah, there you go. Let yeah. him figure it out against some other team. Yes, so. there you go. Exactly. <clears throat> so I don't but know. Yeah. I, I do like the, the defense up against the offense, and I do think it's going to be another one of these trestle ball games where <clears throat> it's going to be ugly and – Whoever has the ball last may be the team that wins it. I don't know. But uh, yeah. it comes down to whose defense can stop the other's offense more effectively. 
Yeah, I've been saying this every week, but there's a mismatch between our front four, the Browns front four, and the Seahawks offensive line. I think Geno Smith will have to run for his life. But if he can get the ball to his wide receivers, he's got a chance to complete some passes. Yes. All right. Any last thoughts here, Elliot? Um, I'm just really happy with the way the Browns have played. I think if they can limit turnovers on offense, they have an excellent chance to win. Yeah, I agree. Limit the turnovers on offense. Let the defense do its thing. You get the field position, get some field goals, score some touchdowns, try to figure something out. The key, I think, would be to get P.J. Walker into some kind of a rhythm in the game. If you can get him completing short passes, short, maybe mm-hmm. you know, maybe uh, take a shot or two. If you can get somebody wide open, like a good win over the top, or you know, that might turn into a big play for us. But I mean, it's it's going to be trestle ball. Yeah, don't think you have to score thirty nine points again because that's, that's not going to happen. Right, and I know we trashed the Browns' offense for last week, but they scored the most points in the league last week. Yeah, they did. Well, they did, but of course. You know, at least, I don't know, two or three of those touchdowns happened because of uh, defensive action, really. Right. So but that, that's how you win football they, games, but, right? But still, even, even so, the offense scored some touchdowns by themselves in addition mm-hmm. to the scores provided by the defense. <clears throat> so we're just not, we're just really not used well. to watching this in Cleveland where, like, they play complementary football where the offense mm-hmm. – scores points and the defense puts the offense in position with short fields to score points. We're just not used to seeing good football and whether we like it or not, they're actually playing pretty good football as a team. It's just individual parts are having problems. Um, You know, the special teams are off the charts right now. The defense has been off the charts a little hiccup last week, but I think that'll correct itself. The offense is kind of struggling, but as a group, as a group, they've been playing extremely well. And they're doing what good teams do, and that's win football games. We're so used to watching them blow these games late because they were bad football teams. But good football teams find ways to win football games, and they've been doing that. Yeah, I think as long as we keep Deshaun Watson on the sidelines, um, I'll be happy. I don't think I want to see him play until he's really healthy. Uh, Give him some pom-poms and let him cheer. Um, I don't want to see him come back prematurely like he did last week that was a fiasco yeah all right guys we'll catch you next week thank you for listening to the cleveland browniacs please like and follow us on spotify and give us a five-star rating on apple podcasts go browns